Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker. Thank you for joining us today. On today's episode, we're going to get into the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the past week, and we're going to wrap up our discussion of the Titans 2020 NFL draft class by discussing seventh-round pick Chris Jackson, defensive back out of Marshall. But before we get into that, I want to ask, do you believe... You know, I say it all the time, but if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories. That includes iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. And hey, if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. But with all that being said, the number three thing you need to know that has happened for the Titans over the course of the last week... Nashville sets its sights on hosting the NFL Draft again in 2024 or 2025. Those years have yet to be opened up for the bidding process, but it looks as though the city would like another go at it. I was there in 2019. It was a great experience. I think it would be incredible for Nashville to get it again. Number two on the list, the Titans plan to watch Harold Landry's snap count closer in 2020, hoping to get more bang for the buck. Titans felt they overused Landry a little too much last season and that resulted in his production dipping there towards the end of the season. But that is something to keep an eye on as we get into the 2020 season, especially since we don't know what is going to happen with our number one thing on the list for this week, Clowny Watch. Still... Still nothing. Man, I don't don't know what to tell you. Well, actually, I do. It's just, he's just waiting. He just does not feel, hey, I need to make a move right now. And it does not look as though the market value is going to be going up anytime soon. But I've said it before, I still expect the Titans to sign him for the 2020 season. And right now it's just kind of a waiting game. And hopefully he will be a Tennessee Titan here soon. But those are the three things you need to know that has happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. And with that, we will shift into our main story. The final pick that the Titans selected in the 2020 NFL Draft Defensive back Chris Jackson out of Marshall. Now Jackson was was a seventh round pick drafted with a 243rd overall pick. And Denard, we saw the Titans make a move and go in with Christian Fulton at cornerback earlier in the draft. They then go back to that defensive back position to take Jackson to really close out their class. When you're watching the film, what is it about him that stands out to you? Man, I'm excited. He's instinctive. You know, he's got some qualities that you just can't coach. Physical attributes wise, he's six foot, 193 pounds. He runs a four, four, seven, 40. So you know he has the speed to play this game. But what I love about him most is his versatility. You got to understand this, Davey, is he can play corner and safety. Now, the Titans drafted him to play safety, but at Marshall, he actually played corner. And let me tell you something, man, he was one of the most consistent corners in all of college football. He's a three time conference USA 
uh, player. First team all-conference two years in a row, and then his freshman year, he, he was honorable mention all-conference. So one of the things you love about him is that he's not only consistent, but he's evolving as a player. I love this guy. I had a chance to watch him uh, this past year, and I didn't even realize when they drafted Chris that he was number three. And every time I would watch number three for the Thunder and Herds, I was like, who is this guy? Who is this unknown guy, this untapped talent that nobody really knows about because he plays in that FBS uh, conference, which we don't know much about a lot of players because they don't get the notoriety. They don't necessarily get all of the, the television exposure. But what I love about him, he's a ball hawk, baby. I'm telling you, this guy, you better watch out. I think he's going to win a position because he, he's versatile. He can play either safety or corner. And when you run a 4 4 7, He's just like Kevin Byard. He has all the athleticism that you look for in a defensive back. So the fact that he can play two position is a plus for him. Whenever you're looking at his stats, he's the all-time program leader at Marshall in pass breakups with 45. And for a guy that just knows how to get on the field, I mean, for being at Marshall, he started 48 games over his four years there. So that's something to where just being able to suit up week in and week out, that's something that can't be overlooked because of how valuable it is with such a physical league so having good depth at that position is going to be huge yeah and when you really look at the secondary right now like 15 defensive backs that's going into camp this this summer in 2020 so the thing about that you love about him if i'm chris right now i know right now my best way to make this team is on special teams he's a good special teams player as well i mean he's very consistent on the punt team punt return he can return kicks but the thing about it is I think he will fit right into the secondary. If I'm Coach Scott Baker or defensive back coach Anthony Midget, what I'm simply saying right now is that I can line this guy up at multiple positions. I can line him, at, line him up at nickel. He's that good. He can actually play the slot corner. He can go inside. He can go. He can play outside. And then you can also match him up at safeties against tight ends. So he has an upside to him, and that's why I think he's going to actually make this team this year. Denard, whenever you're you're watching Chris, and I'm trying to get the best way to phrase this, but you look at the special teams for his style of play. He's a guy who's always he, he seems to be around the ball. And when you're a gunner in this league, what's some of the qualities that really do make for some of the best players at that position? It's easy. It's your heart. You remember a guy by the name of Eddie Jackson that played at Alabama? Yes, he was a safety for him out there. Safety, but he, you remember where he started out? He was a corner. And then they moved him over to safety. Remember, he didn't even get drafted, but the first two years that he was at Alabama, he was a pretty decent corner. He didn't necessarily pan out well. And then what did Nick Saban do? He moved him over to safety. When he moved to safety over to Alabama, he became an All-American, one of the best, best safeties that came out that year in the draft. But the problem is he didn't get drafted because he broke his leg against Ole Miss. Now Chicago picked him up as a free agent. And what did he do? He's been a Pro Bowl player since he's been there. Been one of the most consistent corners in the league. And the thing that I love about Eddie Jackson is when you think about Chris, think about Eddie. They both can play both positions. The problem with Eddie was he wasn't necessarily had the speed that Chris has. Chris has that four four seven speed, so he can play on the outside. And the thing that you love about the thing you love about Chris is the fact that guess what? I can move him to safety because that's where Tennessee basically planned to play him. So right now, when you look at that secondary, you look at the safety position, you got Kenny Vaccaro, you know it's going to be your strong safety. You got Kevin Byard, the pro bowler, the all-pro. And then after that, you got a, a bunch of guys that we really haven't seen play yet. 
So there's going to be a lot of guys that are battling for positions, not just in the backup roles, but for future roles uh, down the line. I mean, this is a guy that can come in. Chris is a guy right now that can come in and actually he can back up either Kenny or Kevin. And then if you got Dane Kushank, who's a good player, Amani Hooker, Joshua Kalu, Jonathan Joseph, of course, those are going to be your corners along with Malcolm Butler. But right now, it's a loaded backfield because there's so many guys. But right now, I think he can actually come in and be your backup safety day one. I guess the, the biggest concern I have, and I know whenever we're talking about being a seventh-round pick, your odds of making the roster by no means locked in and it just being so crowded. I mean, special teams is the way to stand out. And so, look, I mean, you've said it before with several of these players that they've drafted this year. It's you got to be first day, get up there with the special teams coordinator and let them know who you are. You know what? I always tell people this, and I always tell young guys this. This is the way that you make it in the NFL. I don't care if you're a first-rounder, second-rounder, third, fourth, or fifth. You will play special teams. That's just the way it is in the National Football League. That's the way you make it. If you can't play special teams, it decreases your value of making the team so you can be out of there. So what I always tell young guys, I don't care where you drafted. I'll give you a little illustration about Denard Walker. I was a third-round pick, 75th pick taken in the 1997 draft. Guess where I ended up playing? I was the gunner from day one. I went in there and got beat up for basically the whole training camp, you know, (laughs) basically every day. But one of the things Russ Purnell told me, says, Denard, if you are going to make this team, guess what? We got our two starting corners, Steve Jackson and Daryl Lewis. We got our backup nickel right now, Anthony Dorsett. So right now we're good on the secondary. The problem is, is where do you fit in? Yeah, at some point you might play, you might not. But what I need you to do is to be able to come in at that gunner, even though you don't like it, because that might be the difference between we, we keeping you or we keep in the fourth round of George McCullough. We end, both end up making the team that year because we both started out playing gunners. I didn't like it because I never played gunner before. That's a position that most guys don't want to play because that's where you get beat up for a month. But playing that position taught me how to get ready for the rigors of the sport, how the rigors of playing cornerback in the National Football League. So it actually ended up being a blessing in disguise. So that's what I would tell Chris from day one. When you go in, go in there with the intention of, I'm going to be a starter at either safety or corner, but I want to be the man on special teams because that's how I'm going to earn a position on this team is by what value uh, do I bring to special teams. That's why I tell every coach will tell you in the National Football League, find the special teams coach on that team, get around him, pick his brain and everything that he says, make sure you do from day one. Denard, you were mentioning the toughness aspect of it. And when we talk about a Mike Vrabel coach team, that's the number one word that comes to my mind whenever whenever his name is mentioned. Whenever you're telling Chris this is what you need to do whenever it comes to making this team. And that gunner position is what's going to allow him to show off his toughness. And I, I really do believe whenever it comes down to these coaches having to make the decision or John Robinson determining who's going to make the roster. Whoever they feel, whenever it comes to the secondary players, is the toughest and is able to just really scrap at that gunner position. I think that's going to be the guy who's going to be able to suit up come come game day. Exactly. You ever watch You ever watch Hard Knocks? You ever watch that yeah. on cable? Yeah, yeah. HBO I love special. that. It's a great show. Exactly. And what they're doing is they're actually giving you a little bit, they're giving you an edited version of really what you know kind of is going on. How many times have you saw where coaches 
the GM and the owner, they get in the meeting room and they're discussing a guy and they're saying, okay, we're at cut day. Which guy do we take? Do we take A or B? But what does A have that B don't? You know, what does B have that A don't? And usually the difference of what, what the players either lack is the fact that they can play special teams. Because you got to understand that when you walk into the season right now, you know at left corner you're going to have a Dory Jackson. That's going to be your left cornerback, right, from day mm-hmm. one. That's what you're anticipating. Then you got at your other corner, you're going to have Malcolm Butler or Christian Fulton. More, like, more than likely, Malcolm's going to be that other corner, the right cornerback, right? Yeah, so I, I definitely think, don't see them sliding Butler into the, uh, into the nickel position. Exactly. Not now. That's going to be Christian's. Well, it could be Christian or Jonathan. There's going to be a lot of competition as far as the cornerback position. But then I go to the safeties because that's what I'm drafting Chris to play. I'm, I'm drafting him as a safety. So I got Kenny Vaccaro and I got the all pro Kevin. So my thing is, what do you, where's your role? Your role typically when you start out is going to be on that special teams because they don't want their starters playing special teams. If you got a starter playing special teams and I got a guy sitting there, that's not the way it works in the NFL. You got to bring something to that team. And for most of us that are not starters, we got to play special teams. That's how you make it. So when they go into that meeting room, they're saying, do I keep Chris or do I keep Dane Cruchet or Kareem Orr or Joshua Kalu? You know, the list goes on and on. This is what's going to determine who stays and who actually gets cut is the fact that what value do you bring to our special teams? Because we need guys that are not starters contributing on special teams. That's how you make it. That's how guys can make a living in this league. Steve Tasker did it for a long time. Played just about Bill Bates. You remember Bill Bates? Oh yeah. He played. Bill played a lot. He he was just known. He was a great safety at where? University of what? Tennessee. Tennessee. You, you see. You, oh, I know. Well, his son was actually uh, at the at the university the same time I was. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, Bill was a man. He was a great special teams player for the Cowboys for a long time. That's how. You can make it in this game. You can make a great living if you just learn to really not only to accept your role or embrace your role, but if you can do it well, we've seen guys that have made a career out of just playing special teams and they become millionaires, you know, just playing special teams alone. Yeah, you look at this Titans roster right now, uh, Dan Crookshank, they've used him a lot whenever it's come to running a, a few trick plays on special teams and Josh Kalu, he had the blocked field goal that ended up this past year, got them a win. Ultimately, they needed that that win to make the playoffs. And so you've seen guys that are already on this roster make an impact on the special teams. And so that's one of the things. It's great to see that, and that's what it's going to boil down to for Jackson to make the team. I I did have a, a few quotes from Jackson after he found out he was being drafted by the Titans, but he, he said he was just overfilled with joy. He was just happy to be a Titan. I'm just truly happy to be a Titan. Said it twice. When you kind of go down, I believe uh, Jim Wyatt was was getting these quotes from him, but Jim's, uh, he told Jim, any team that picked me, I just wanted to get there and contribute any way I can. I expect to do whatever the coaches need me to do, if that's playing corner, if that's playing safety, if that's playing every snap on special teams. I feel like either position suits me well. Whatever the coaches need me to do, that's what I plan to do. It is not what I want. It is whatever helps the team win on Sundays. I love that attitude. Right now, if I'm a coach and a guy simply says something like that, you know what? That, that makes me excited because that tells me how unselfish that individual is. 
That's what you want, especially in a young player. I want to see a guy that when he comes in to camp, I want to see a guy that's hungry, but he's also eager to learn. And he's also willing to listen. So many times today we see a lot of these guys, they go first round and they come in, they think they know it all. And that's really where you will be shown the door very quickly in this business. But I tell you what I love about his upside is when I think about Chris, Chris plays, when I watch him on film, he plays with a chip on his shoulders. And I love that. If you ever just watch him and break him down, the one thing that I can tell about him is all his life, ever since he's probably, probably been playing, he's had a chip on his shoulders. He wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school. He was a two-star prospect, you know, coming out of that Tallahassee area. He was only recruited by what Appalachian State, Florida A&M, Kent State, and Troy. So those are all smaller schools. So when those guys, I always tell people, you can always tell a guy at the combine or you can tell a guy when he comes into camp when he's from a real small school. You know why? He's always the guy that's usually fighting. He's fighting for a position. You know why? Because he's here to show all of these guys that are from LSU and Michigan and Notre Dame that I'm just as good. I'm just as I can add just as much value on a team that you can. And these are the guys that typically I'm telling you something. When you get guys in the later round of a draft, guess what you end up getting? Guys with a chip. I've always I keep saying that, a chip on their shoulders. And, and, and when those guys get on the field, man, they got something to prove. Look at Tom Brady. He never rests. He always looks at that 199. I was the 199th pick in the 2000 draft. He plays with a chip on his shoulders. If you look at Julian Elderman, he wasn't supposed to make it in the NFL out of Kent State. He was a quarterback. But how does he play receiver? Like he's mad or angry. Look at Eddie McCaffrey, one of my old teammates. He was an undrafted free agent out of Stanford. You know, went to the Giants. A lot of people don't realize when Eddie practiced, he practiced like his life was dependent on that actual rep. He took every rep 100%. Like he, he, was, he was so in tune in practice that when he got to the game, that's the easy part. And that's what Chris is going to bring to this team. He's going to bring that, I have a chip on my shoulder. I'm mad. I've been overlooked all my life. This is the time for me to prove to the big boys that I'm worthy, that I can play. And that's the way I love it. That's why I love when guys, they go out and get these guys from Marshall. Kent State, Miami of Ohio, like a Ben Roethlisberger, these little small schools, because those are the guys that usually end up being your best players. Just to kind of get an idea of what general manager John Robinson had to say of getting Jackson, he said he's a really productive and a really athletic guy. He is very versatile, and he has really good production. I think he has seven picks in his career, so he finds the football. He ran well. He'll mix into the group and try to carve out a role for himself. He has played a couple of different spots, and we'll see how much he can handle and see where he fits in the pecking order of that group. We look forward to working with him. Right now, I, th I saw, I didn't have exact quotes for it, but they were talking to Coach Vrabel about Chris. And sometimes you kind of have the GMs and the head coaches that really the, the head coach just stays out of picking the players. And it's just the GM. But John Robinson, Coach Vrabel, really do have a lot of communication whenever it comes to making these selections. And... Coach Vrabel was really high on Chris Jackson, and he was really glad to see him fall, and they were hoping that they would be able to get him there in the seventh round. And fortunately, it worked out for the team. And so now Chris knows he's got to go to work. He's got to play with that chip on his shoulder, like you keep saying, Denard, 
and then everything will fall fall in place. And it's one of those things where if, if hey, he gets some play during preseason and he's okay, but it's not one of those situations where he's good enough to be on the active roster, put him on the practice squad for a couple of years. Let him work his way up there and see what happens. But this is one of those players, the versatility is going to be his biggest attribute, and how he plays on special teams is ultimately going to determine whether or not he's suiting up come game days. When you look at this, when you look at Chris, from 2016 to 2019, the first word that came to mind when I, what I thought about was, this is a guy that's evolving. This is a guy that's only getting better. When you are a four-time all-conference player, that's all you got to say. When you come in 2019 and you're on the Jim Thorpe Award watch list, do you know how big that is? When you're on the Thorpe Award list, that is for the nation's best defensive backs. That's how much the coaches around and writers, they thought about this young man, that they thought he was good enough to be on the list. It's hard. You imagine how many defensive backs there's, that play in Division I college football. I can't even count. But the fact that you go on the list, there's only probably about 10 guys that make that list. So that tells you right now that this is a young man that has all of the attributes that it will take to make this team. Because if you can do it in college, you can do it in the pros. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we forget a guy by the name of Randy Moss went to uh, Marshall, the Thunder and Herd, Chad Pennington. you got all these great players. You know, Davey, one of the things that gives me hope is if I'm a player and I'm coming in, I like to see sometimes where guys like me, they were drafted. So I'm going to give you a little quiz right quick because you're, you're pretty good. Last I week you got how it. I do. Okay, let's see. Well, I, I promise you, you're going to get this one. So I looked at some most notable seven-rounders. So here's a guy back in two, 1994. He was taken in round seven by the Dirty Birds. You remember the Dirty Birds, don't you? I do. Atlanta, yeah, um, okay. He played from the Dirty Birds from 1994 to 2001. He rushed for over 5,000 yards, and he had over 1,500 receiving yards. Scored over 41 touchdowns. But what ended up derailing his career was he had tore up his knee, he tore his ACL, which ended up hurting him. And when you used to, in the olden days, back in the early 2000s, if you tear your ACL, usually that, that was the death injury for players back then, not like it is now. Man, I feel bad. I, I'm, not, I'm not as good on this one. I want to say, was it Jamal Anderson? Jamal Anderson. Okay, I, got, I okay, knew he was going to get it. It took me a Jamal minute. Anderson. He I wasn't a big Falcons man. fan, so that's... I know, I know. You, you can't yeah, that's that boy from Jordan. But I give you another one right now. He was drafted by the Titans in 2006. That's my boy. Cool. Two... There you go. I, so there, I knew yeah. he was going but, but let me get you on this one. <laughs> I, got a, I got a 50 cents says you don't get this one. <laughs> All right, let's okay. see. Here's a guy, one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. Now, I'm talking about I was born in 1973. So this guy was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in 1971. He was a seventh rounder. He was picked 161. He played for the Eagles from 1971 to 1983, and he finished off his career in Dallas in 1984. A lot of people don't even know he played for the Cowboys. I'm going to give you this. He had nearly 9,000 yards of receiving, 79 touchdowns. He made four Pro Bowls, three All-Pro teams, and he was named to the, the 70s All-Decade team. And he was tall. That's what he was known for. He was tall. He was about six six. Remember that movie with Mark? Uh, was it what Was it? It's Mark Wahlberg. It was uh, Invincible. Yeah, yeah, Invincible. The he story was, of Vince Papali. He was old school. 
I should know it. You're going to say it and I'm going to know it, but I don't want to throw it out there just because I feel like I'm going to be I'll so give you far. another hint. It was in the days where usually now they, they allow receivers to wear like numbers like quarterbacks where usually in those days you had to wear an 80s number, but he wanted to wear his own type. He wanted his number. I think number 17 he wore for the Eagles. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, just tall. I remember him when I was a kid. I used to love him. Harold Carmichael. Okay. I'll, yeah, Harold Carmichael. I've, I've heard of him, but I, I yeah, wasn't going to get yeah. it. I, I went back because I knew you was going to get the first two. I said, I got to get him. I'm going back to the same. Well, well, you got me, man. You, <laughs> you go back to that era. Like it's, yeah. It's, well, yeah, I, I grew up in <laughs> Dallas. Yeah, I grew up in Dallas, and I used to watch a lot of the Cowboys, and especially when the Cowboys used to play the Eagles. And I remember – Harold Carmichael, for whatever reason, he just stood out because he was so tall, but he was really good. And I remember Ron Jaworski, that was his favorite receiver. But again, he was a seventh round pick. So you know what this gives, if I'm Chris, I'm saying, you know what? This gives me hope that I can make it, make this team because these guys made it. And if these guys made it, I know I can make it. I can make a name for myself. Only thing you an organization should do is give me a chance. And I think the Titans, when he goes to Tennessee, John Robinson made a great pick in getting him at the seventh round because he's so versatile. He's a, he's a player. Chris can do it all. I, I just, I love this pick at the seventh round. Yeah. That's one of the things I can, I can say whenever you're looking now that we've had some time to look at John Robinson's draft classes over the last couple of years, at least with the quality of player that you are getting, he doesn't pick a guy that's going to be a, a head case. And he's not going to pick a guy that's going to be a problem in the locker room. Whenever you look at the guys that he's drafted, I can't think of anybody that has just been someone that you've heard stories come out about that's just been detrimental whenever you're talking about team chemistry. Now, I mean, the, there's there's been a couple of picks. Everyone points to Kevin Dodd of it just not working out, but I mean Dodd just kind of flamed out. That is one of the things with this coaching staff, this this organization that they have done a really good job at the last couple of years is just making sure that whenever they do bring somebody in, he's a team first guy. And he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that you know what I might not be getting all the glory here, but as long as we get the W on Sunday, that's fine by me. Yeah, I say this all the time, and, and a lot of young players always ask me, and they say, Denar, what does it take to make it to the NFL? What does it take to make it in college? I say, it's very easy. It's talent, of course. But what keeps you in is your character and your heart. If you don't have the character or the heart, a team, an organization, they don't want nothing to do with you. They don't want a basket case. They don't want a guy who's going to come in, and he, from the first day, he, they're going to have issues with that individual. Teams are not playing that. We're seeing guys that come in all the time, high draft picks, you know, make a lot of money. All of a sudden, they're getting in trouble off the field. What happens? They cut them. They're getting away from that. And what they're trying to draft now, especially with John Robinson, is you're trying to draft guys that have a high level of character because that's really what takes you and paves the way through a lot of tough times. Your character is what you do and what you have. That, that will determine what you do off the field. What you do off the field will determine what happens on the field. If you're getting in trouble with the law, guess what? That hurts you. It hurts your value. And I tell young, pe young players all the time, whatever you do, if you can't do nothing else, develop your character first. Develop who you are. Who you are will determine what you do. It's not what you do determine who you are. A lot of times we got it in reverse. Always remember that who you are will determine what you do. 
See, you, you're not going to have coaches and no more, nobody's, no babysitters. You're not, you're not, you're not going to have people looking after you, you know, looking over you, seeing what you're going to do. You're going to have a lot of time on your hands. So I need to make sure when I draft a young man, I'm getting a guy that I know he's going to be in the house at eight or nine o'clock, getting his rest and not out in the streets, partying all night, trying to come, you know, party to five o'clock and then come to work at seven. That's not going to happen. I've seen guys that did that. And it cost them a career. You know, I don't, that's not what you want to draft. I need some guys that got quality because quality is going to give me quantity at the end. I truly believe that. And I think that's what Chris has. He has all of those attributes that we look for. He's a guy with high character. That's the first thing that most people at Marshall will tell you is who he is. is he's a great person. And that's when they sit back and John Robinson, when he's talking to, before he draft, he goes out and draft young men. He's talking about what, what kind of character do they have? How many times do you, do you got to correct this guy? What, what, is this, what does he do off the field? That's really what a lot of GMs and owners, they want to see. Who is he off the field? I want to know. When we go back into the community, will he take his blessing and be a blessing to others? Those are, those are a lot of the things that will keep you, when it comes time for a job in the National Football League, it can determine uh, if you stay or if you go. So I would tell Chris to continue to do what he's been doing because it's gotten him this far, but continue to evolve as a person. And that will, in the end, ultimately, that would allow you to develop as a player as well. I think that's well said, Zanard. I think that's a great way for us to wrap up discussing Chris Jackson, defensive back out of Marshall. And hopefully we wish him the best of luck as he goes through training camp and is trying to make a roster spot for the Titans in the 2020 season. But we hope you have enjoyed today's show. That is going to do it for us. For Denard Walker, I am Davey Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll do it again next week. And as always, tighten up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.